Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and today, a great story from O. Henry, called Between Rounds. First, a little background on O. Henry. I'm going to give you a couple of paragraphs from an article written by Judith Dunford back in 1990 about O. Henry. It was called The Man Who Invented Manhattan. For most of this century, she wrote, and often against the starkest evidence, New York City has persisted in seeing itself as Baghdad on the subway, an Arabian night swirl of color, motion, tough characters with soft hearts, soft characters with sturdy hearts, tinsel, tears, and laughter. This is largely O. Henry's doing. It was his stories, his portrait of the city in the decade ending in 1910, its shop girls named Delia, Dulcie, its derelicts and cops, its struggling, forever loyal couples, its ambitious artists and showgirls, its neighborhood streets and parks, its boarding houses and furnished rooms, its sports and swells that gave New York much of the jaunty, plucky, rapish image it wears to this day. O. Henry's stories of this New York go on forever. By 1920, nearly five million copies of his books had been sold in the United States. There have been dozens of radio and stage dramatizations and motion picture versions of his stories. She ends it with a bit of a eulogy. In spring of 1902, a stocky, blonde Southerner who would one day describe himself as looking like a healthy butcher arrived in New York. He had come via Pittsburgh, leaving his motherless daughter with her grandparents to pursue what he had barely begun, a career as a writer. He had already published a few stories and was to write nearly 300 in his short lifetime. Some early ones had been signed Olivier Henry, and before long this became O. Henry. The author's real name was William Sidney Porter, and he had a good reason for a pseudonym. He had just gotten out of jail. And now our story, Between Rounds, by O. Henry. The May moon shone bright upon the private boarding house of Mrs. Murphy. By reference to the almanac, a large amount of territory will be discovered upon which its rays also fell. Spring was in its heyday, with hay fever soon to follow. The parks were green with new leaves and buyers for the western and southern trade. Flowers and summer resort agents were blowing. The air and answers to Lawson were growing milder. Hand organs, fountains, and pinochle were playing everywhere. The windows of Mrs. Murphy's boarding house were open. A group of boarders were seated on the high stoop upon round, flat mats like German pancakes. In one of the second-floor front windows, Mrs. McCaskey awaited her husband. Supper was cooling on the table. Its heat went into Mrs. McCaskey. At nine, Mr. McCaskey came. He carried his coat on his arm and his pipe in his teeth, and he apologized for disturbing the boarders on the steps as he selected spots of stone between them on which to set his size nine with D's. As he opened the door of his room, he received a surprise. Instead of the usual stove lid or potato masher for him to dodge, came only words. Mr. McCaskey reckoned that the benign May moon had softened the breast of his spouse. "'I heard ye,' came the oral substitutes for kitchenware. "'Ye can apologize to the riffraff of the streets for setting your unhandy feet on the tails of their frocks, but ye'd walk on the neck of your wife the length of a clothesline without so much as a kiss-me foot, and I'm sure it's that long from rubbering out the windy for ye and the victuals cold. "'As there's money to buy after drinking up your wages at Gallagher's every Saturday evening,' "'and the gas-man here twice a-day for his.' "'Woman,' said Mr. McCaskey, "'dashing his coat and hat upon a chair, "'the noise of you is an insult to me appetite. 
"'When you run down politeness, "'you take the mortar from between the bricks "'of the foundations of society. "'Tis no more than exercise in the acrimony of a gentleman "'when you ask the descent of ladies "'blocking the way for stepping between them. "'Will you bring the pig's face of ye "'out of the windy and see to the food?' "'Mrs. McCaskey arose heavily and went to the stove. "'There was something in her manner "'that warned Mr. McCaskey. "'When the corners of her mouth went down suddenly like a barometer, "'it usually foretold a fall of crockery and tinware. "'Pig's face, is it?' said Mrs. McCaskey, "'and hurled a stewpan full of bacon and turnips at her lord. "'Mr. McCaskey was no novice at repartee. "'He knew what should follow the entree. "'On the table was a roast sirloin of pork, "'garnished with shamrocks. "'He retorted with this, "'and drew the appropriate return of a bread pudding in an earthen dish.' A hunk of Swiss cheese, accurately thrown by her husband, struck Mrs. McCaskey below one eye. When she replied with a well-aimed coffee-pot full of hot, black, semi-fragrant liquid, the battle, according to the courses, should have ended. But Mr. McCaskey was no fifty-cent table doter. Let cheap bohemians consider coffee the end, if they would. Let them make that faux pas. He was foxier still. Finger bowls were not beyond the compass of his experience. They were not to be had in the pension Murphy, but their equivalent was at hand. Triumphantly, he sent the granite-ware washbasin at the head of his matrimonial adversary, Mrs. McCaskey, who dodged just in time. She reached for a flat iron, with which, as a sort of cordial, she hoped to bring the gastronomical duel to a close. But a loud, wailing scream downstairs caused both her and Mr. McCaskey to pause in a sort of involuntary armistice. On the sidewalk at the corner of the house, Policeman Cleary was standing with one ear upturned, listening to the crash of household utensils. "'Tis John McCaskey and his missus at it again,' meditated the policeman. "'I wonder, shall I go up and stop the row?' "'I will not. Married folks they are, and few pleasures they have. T'will not last long. Sure, they have to borrow more dishes to keep it up with.' And just then came the loud scream below stairs, beckoning fear or dire extremity. "'Just probably the cat,' said Policeman Cleary, and walked hastily in the other direction. The borders on the steps were fluttered. Mr. Toomey, an insurance solicitor by birth and an investigator by profession, went inside to analyze the scream. He returned with the news that Mrs. Murphy's little boy, Mike, was lost. Following the messenger, out bounced Mrs. Murphy, two hundred pounds in tears and hysterics, clutching the air, "'and howling to the sky for the loss of thirty pounds of freckles and mischief. "'Bathos, truly. "'But Mr. Toomey sat down at the side of Miss Purdy, "'millinery, and their hands came together in sympathy. "'The two old maids, Mrs. Walsh, "'who complained every day about the noise in the halls, "'inquired immediately if anybody had looked behind the clock. "'Major Grigg, who sat by his fat wife on the top step, "'arose and buttoned his coat. "'The little one lost?' he exclaimed. "'I will scour the city.' "'His wife never allowed him out after dark. "'But now she said, "'Go, Ludovic,' in a baritone voice. "'Whoever can look upon that mother's grief "'without springing to her relief has a heart of stone. "'Give me some thirty or sixty cents, my love,' said the Major. "'Lost children sometimes stray far. "'I may need carfare.' "'Old man Denny, hall room, fourth floor back, "'who sat on the lowest step, "'trying to read a paper by the street lamp.' "'turned over a page to follow up the article "'about the carpenter's strike. "'Mrs. Murphy shrieked to the moon. "'Oh, arr, Mike, for God's sake, "'where's me little bit of a boy?' "'When did you see him last?' "'asked old man Denny, 
"'with one eye on the report of the Building Trades League.' "'Oh!' wailed Mrs. Murphy. "'Twas yesterday, or maybe four hours ago. "'I don't know. "'But it's lost he is, my little boy Mike. "'He was playing on the sidewalk only this morning. "'Or was that Wednesday? "'I'm that busy with work. "'Tis hard to keep up with dates. "'But I've looked the house over from top to cellar, "'and it's gone he is. "'All for the love of heaven!' "'Silent, grim, colossal. "'The big city has ever stood against its revilers.' They call it hired as iron. They say that no pulse of pity beats in its bosom. They compare its streets with lonely forests and deserts of lava. But beneath the hard crust of a lobster is found a delectable and luscious food. Perhaps a different simile would have been wiser. Still, nobody should take offense. We would call no one a lobster without good and sufficient claws. No calamity so touches the common heart of humanity as does the strain of a little child. Their feet are so uncertain and feeble. Their ways are so steep and strange. Major Griggs hurried down to the corner and up the avenue into Billy's place. "'Give me a rye high,' he said to the servitor. "'Ain't seen a bow-legged, dirty-faced little devil of a six-year-old loot kid around here anywhere, have you?' Mr. Toomey retained Miss Purdy's hand on the steps. "'Think of that dear little babe,' said Miss Purdy, "'lost from his mother's side, perhaps already fallen beneath the iron hoofs of galloping steeds.' "'Oh, isn't it dreadful?' "'Ain't that right,' agreed Mr. Toomey, squeezing her hand. "'Say I start out and help look for him.' "'Perhaps,' said Miss Purdy, "'you should. "'But, oh, Mr. Toomey, you are so dashing, so reckless. "'Suppose in your enthusiasm some accident should befall you. "'Then what?' "'Old man Denny read on about the arbitration agreement "'with one finger on the lines.' In the second floor front, Mr. and Mrs. McCaskey came to the window to recover their second wind. Mr. McCaskey was scooping turnips out of his vest with a crooked forefinger, and his lady was wiping an eye that the salt of the roast pork had not benefited. They heard the outcry below and thrust their heads out of the window. "'Tis little Mikey is lost,' said Mrs. McCaskey in a hushed voice. "'The beautiful little trouble-making angel of a gossoon! "'The bit of a boy mislaid!' "'said Mr. McCaskey, leaning out of the window. "'Why, now, that's bad enough entirely. "'The childer, they'd be different. "'If t'was a woman, I'd be willin', "'for they leave peace behind them when they go.' "'Disregarding the thrust, "'Mrs. McCaskey caught her husband's arm. "'John,' she said, sentimentally, "'Mrs. Murphy's little boy is lost. "'Tis a great city for losing little boys. Six years old he was, John.' "'Tis the same age our little boy would have been "'if we'd have had one six years ago.' "'We never did,' said Mr. McCaskey, "'lingering with the fact. "'But if we had, John, "'think what sorrow had been our hearts this night, "'with our little Phelan run away "'and stolen in the city nowheres at all.' "'Yet talk foolishness,' said Mr. McCaskey. "'Tis Pat he'd be named, "'after me old father in Cantrum.' "'Ye lie,' said Mrs. McCaskey, without anger. "'Me brother was worth ten dozen bog-proudy McCaskies. "'After him would the boy be named.' "'She leaned over the window-sill "'and looked down at the hurrying and bustle below. "'John?' said Mrs. McCaskey softly. "'I'm sorry I was hasty with ye.' "'Twas hasty puddin', as ye say,' said her husband. "'And hurry up turnips and get a move on your coffee. "'Twas what ye would call a quick lunch, all right, "'and tell no lie.' "'Mrs. McCaskey slipped her arm inside her husband's "'and took his rough hand in hers. 
"'Listen at the crying of poor Mrs. Murphy,' she said. "'Tis an awful thing for a bit of by to be lost in this great big city. "'If twas our little failin', John, I'd be breaking me heart.' "'Awkwardly Mr. McCaskey withdrew his hand, "'but he laid it around the nearing shoulders of his wife. "'Tis foolishness, of course,' said he, roughly. "'But I'd be cut up some myself if our little Pat was kidnapped or anything. "'But there never was any child of hers.' "'Sometimes I've been ugly and hard with you, Judy. "'Forget it. "'We'll return to our story right after the sponsor message. "'And now, back to Between Rounds by O. Henry. "'They leaned together and looked down at the heart drama being acted below. "'Long they sat thus. "'People surged along the sidewalk, crowding, questioning, "'filling the air with rumors, and in consequence surmises.' Mrs. Murphy plowed back and forth in their midst like a soft mountain down which plunged an audible cataract of tears. Couriers came and went. Loud voices and a renewed uproar were raised in front of the boarding house. "'What's up now, Judy?' asked Mr. McCaskey. "'Tis Mrs. Murphy's voice,' said Mrs. McCaskey, harking. "'She says she found little Mikey asleep behind the roll of old linoleum under the bed in her room.' Mr. McCaskey laughed loudly. "'That's your failing.' "'he shouted, sardonically. "'Divil a bit would a pat a done that trick. "'If the boy we never had is strayed and stole by the powers, "'call him Phelan, and see him hide out under the bed like a mangy pup.' "'Mrs. McCaskey arose heavily, "'and went toward the dish-closet, "'with the corners of her mouth drawn down. "'Policeman Cleary came back around the corner "'as the crowd dispersed. "'Surprised, he upturned an ear toward the McCaskey apartment.' where the crash of irons and chinaware and the ring of hurled kitchen utensils seemed as loud as before. Policeman Cleary took out his timepiece. "'By the departed snakes!' he exclaimed. "'John McCaskey and his lady have been fighting for an hour and a quarter by the watch. The missus could give him forty pounds weight. Strength to his arm!' Then Policeman Cleary strolled back around the corner. Old man Denny folded his paper and hurried up the steps, just as Mrs. Murphy was about to lock the door for the night. Please do send us a review if you get a chance for 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. And also check us out at patreon.com and become a supporter for the show. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, forward slash 1001 Stories Network. Patreon.com forward slash 1001 Stories Network. For about the price of a cup of blended coffee, you can help to support 1001 every month and help us get to 2001, which is our next goal. Everyone take care, stay safe, and we'll be back next Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time with a brand new episode. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.